Sage's Stories. Welcome to today's episode of Sage's Stories, the official podcast of Sage's, the Society of American Gastrointestinal and Endoscopic Surgeons. Please make sure to hit the like button and subscribe so you can stay up to date with our most recent episode and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 12. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. Of Sage's Stories, where we shine the light on some of Sage's most impactful leaders. I'm your co-host, Dr. Kevin L. Hayek, tuning in from Cleveland, Ohio. And I am Dr. Sharin Tofai, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Uh, it is really hard to believe that we're hitting a dozen episodes today. It yep. seems like yesterday when we started this journey together, Sharon. I know, no doubt. I can't believe I actually survived over a year alongside <laughs> you, Kevin. You get an award for that, actually. <laughs> I think it's because we're on opposite sides of the country. So, you know, it was survivable so far. We did one in person. Remember, I did come, come for true. one in person. So With Dr. Bercy. That was great. Um, for real though. Um, I think it's lovely that we work together. I love getting to know you. I'm really relishing in this unique position we have spending time with so many amazing sages legends over the past year or so. And we, I think we're blessed to be, you know, part of this fantastic society. The past 11 episodes have been great. And there's no doubt that today's guest, Dr. Caitlin Halbert will truly inspire our listeners uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Halbert is so far the youngest of our guests, so no, no pressure there. Um, she completed her doctorate, Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine degree at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Following medical school, she went on to complete her general surgery residency training at Christiana Care Health System in Delaware, followed by a bariatric and advanced gastrointestinal minimally invasive surgery fellowship with the Stony Brook, Stony Brook Surgical Associates. She is currently a clinical professor of surgery at the Sydney Kimmel Medical College of Thomas Jefferson University and chief of surgical services of Wilmington Hospital, which is part of the Christiana Care Health System. Caitlin, Sharon, and I are excited to hear your story. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. It's my pleasure and I'm excited to be part of this. It really is amazing. Well, we are excited to have you. I, for one, have been watching your career blossom. Um, probably others have as well. You are a superstar. Oh. And I really think Sages is amazing for providing such an amazing platform to open doors for great young surgeons such as yourself. And of course, the whole purpose and impetus for Sages Stories podcast is to shed light on members like yourself. So we really hope to connect with you as our guest and learn your story. So tell us your story <laughs> and feel free to highlight any uh, important parts as you've kind of gone through your years. Where did you wake up, et cetera? Where did you <laughs> not wake up? Where did you grow up? Yeah. When you first woke up, when well, you first woke up, where was it? <laughs> where did you wake up? <laughs> well, I guess, you know, I'm representing the East Coast. So, um, I was born in Pennsylvania, grew up in Maryland, but I've called Delaware my home for the last 10 plus years. And, you know, when I travel and tell people where I'm from, I always say Delaware. It's a great little state that no one knows anything about. Um, most people on the West Coast can't even find it on a map. So whenever I give a Sages talk, I'm like, yeah, no, can't find it. 
I know where Cleveland is. Yes. <laughs> it's slightly yeah. larger than Cleveland. Delaware. Slightly larger. Yeah, just by a little bit. And um, <laughs> yeah, so all my talks have a map included, you know, so you know exactly where Delaware is. So, um, you know, but I, I grew up, uh, I have um, the oldest of three. Uh, my dad was an engineer. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and and took, you know, great care of us, a happy home. And um, I went to a private school for high school, which was so important for me because I was super shy and I was an introvert and didn't really socialize very much. I was just kind of kept within myself. Um, and that high school was so important for me because it really brought me out of my shell. And, um, you know, I love the sciences and so I ate up all those classes really early and then ended up spending my senior year in the art, <laughs> in the art room, you know, painting and sculpting and kind of also doing that part that's really important to me. Cool. And, um, and so when I graduated uh, or was starting to think about graduation, I, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I actually thought about being an art major and my dad said, I don't, why don't you do be a science major instead and do art as a minor? So that's what I did. And um, you know, he wanted to have a doctor in the family and I was really close to my dad. And I said, oh, maybe, maybe something like that would be cool. Um, and, you know, before I graduated from high school, one of my friends, their, their dad, um, was an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Mm -hmm. Midrick. And he's, you know, I was looking for a summer job and so he hired me and I, um, I was like, file is about when you had paper, right? So it's filing charts away and filing physical x-rays yeah. and the end of that first summer he came up to me and he was also very quiet and introverted like I was and he said Caitlin what do you what do you want to see in the OR this week and I was like what uh, yeah <laughs> so excited and so that first summer I was in doing like vein releases and carpal tunnels with him and and then the next year he took me to see total knees and total hips and and I really just thought the first time I walked into the OR I was like oh this is this is like home for me. I just felt so comfortable in there and like part of this bigger team that was taking care of this human that was so vulnerable. And, and then I did a summer externship at York hospital actually. And, um, I got into the OR and I saw the, I saw the inside of a belly and I was like, Oh, this is it. Orthopedic goodbye. This is, <laughs> I wanted to do general surgery. So all throughout college and, and medical school, I, I wanted to be a surgeon. There was nothing else at, at that point in my life that I wanted to do. So what you were great story. Yeah. yeah. So you were how, how old then? So you were, you were first year oh, wow. in college then that was when it kind of all started. This was after you graduated. Yeah, it was, uh, I started that job when I was 16 years old, I think 16, oh, 17. So you were in high school at that yeah. time. Yeah. And it oh, was just wow. like so many, you know, my dad's an engineer. So I had like his like need to figure out how things work in the world mindset. And then it was the sciences that I knew I already loved, but then there was this artistic part of it that also spoke to me and it just combined all those things together. Um, and it just seemed, it was just such a perfect match for me. And so, where is this orthopedic surgeon now in, in your life? He's, he's still in York, Pennsylvania. Um, mm. You know, I kind of follow his family on Facebook um, and I'm due to probably reach out to him and let him know what I'm up to, but he, he was the reason I did it um, for sure. And I, I owe him so much. And I don't know if he knows exactly how much he, you know, I owe him because um, he really, he really left a, you know, indelible mark on my life. You should share this podcast with yeah, him. Yeah, you should oh, definitely yeah. You'll get, <laughs> yeah. you'll get a link and 
so you so uh, so again you were the oldest of three then is that mm -hmm. is that right so yeah tell us a little bit about about the the rest of your family yeah so my uh my sister is like the exact opposite of me she she's like a free spirit and social and and just this amazing extrovert so she like balances me out really nicely and we're like you know best friends and so she owns um a clothing store so she she keeps me well-dressed most of the time, you know, when I'm not to see her. <laughs> that's, and then, that's, that's key. Yeah, that's it's key. good. It was, it's perfect. And then my brother's in finance. Um, so, and they have a, amazing, you know, nieces and nephews that, that I'm aunt tater tot to, you know, so it's because they can't say Katie, Caitlin. So it's tater and then tater tot. So I'm tater tot for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, just wonderful humans that are doing, you know, successful things in their own way. And, um, but you know, we grew up, I mean, grew up in, and kind of felt like we all had to have these careers and, and really love what we do. And so my parents gave us the opportunity to really search out what we wanted to do in life. So tell us a little bit about, you know, getting into medical school and what that experience was like. What was, mm -hmm. uh, what was your, uh, your time in medical school? Like it, it wasn't a straight path. Um, you know, I, I, so I, I was first done at Washington and Lee University and I was so homesick and I think my parents were homesick too. And <laughs> after the first semester, I moved closer to home and ended up going to Albright College in Reading, Pennsylvania. And they actually had an early assurance program with Penn State um, Hershey. And so um, I was accepted to Penn State Hershey, but deep down, I really wanted to go to Jefferson and be in the city. It didn't, it didn't hurt that I was a boyfriend in Philadelphia at the time that may have played <laughs> the role. Um, so I knew this is to the podcast too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe keep that to ourselves, but maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but, um, you know, at the, you know, I really, I really wanted to go to Jefferson. So I actually withdrew from the early assurance program. And when I reapplied, um, I didn't get any interviews for medical school. And oh. yeah, and I was like, about it. I mean, I was like, top of my class. I was an honors thesis. I was president of the, you know, surgical society and all was like or pre-med society and so one of our alumni I would you know we had these like dinners for our new science building and one of the alumni said why haven't you gotten interviews I said I don't know I'm like dry my parents aren't doctors I we don't have doctors in the family I have no idea what's going on my advisor didn't know and so he took my application and he made some phone calls because he was on the uh, admissions board for NYU and uh, it turns out that when I withdrew from Penn State it got around um, and so they kept me, kept me out of other interviews. And so, wow. yeah. And I, you know, this apparently was the practice back in the day and I don't think it is anymore, but it was, it was pretty upsetting. Um, and so I ended up taking a year off and I did my post back. I started at PCOM actually. That's how I got to PCOM. And I did, um, I started a certificate in biomedical sciences and I bartended um at the same time so it was like a nice life lesson and it was fun and I did that for a year and and then uh, I, I matriculated into PCOM's medical school and it was a great opportunity because in my third year my second third year I finished my master's thesis and I graduated with my master's then during my third year of medical school wow. so I it's a two for one deal you know it's funny as I think uh, someone had recommended that I become a bartender uh, during medical school because they, they said it's like a great way to just talk to people and, oh. and you know, be in front yeah. of people. So 
Um, yeah. I did not take them up on it, but it's, it's good to finally <laughs> meet someone to, to maybe be able to validate that, that comment. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's probably why I'm so comfortable talking to patients. You learn how to read a room yeah. and read your audience and, you know, and then learning how to blow fire on the side. Like it was yeah, kind of yeah. cool. cool note to our younger uh, audiences, uh, maybe <laughs> listening, uh, maybe start with uh, start with bartending and with uh, complex GI surgery. I mean, it's a, it's it's definitely a pathway. <laughs> But this is also a great story because, uh, you know, first of all, I'm glad you found someone who can kind of redirect you back into the system because it's so yeah. stressful to apply to medical oh. school. It's yeah. even more difficult now to get in than when it was when when you got in and when I got in for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I part of what I do is is I help mentor people to get into medical school. Mm-hmm. And man, the advice they're getting is so wrong, and their oh. counselors are like completely uh, incorrect. And do you do that now, given your experience? Yeah. Do you like reach out to help I'm guide a- others? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I think it's so important. I um, you know, I, I have residents and I teach certainly my residents. I love them, you know, for sure. But I have a lot of high school and college students now that will shadow with me that I keep in touch with that I mentor over time. And it's so much fun to see them go through the process. And, and I think it's really important because a lot of them don't have like, like I didn't have, you know, doctors in the family, we didn't know the steps Um, and have somebody there kind of nudging you along is, is just so important. It's been really rewarding to see it full circle and watch watch those students grow into doctors. It's it's amazing. Yeah, so true. And so glad that they have you because that experience is is so unique and it's stressful. Yeah. And you need that perspective sometimes to to be able to help others. That's mm-hmm. really great that you you do have that exposure. So how many years after then, you know, was was, you know, you said it was kind of not a not a straight path. So when mm-hmm. was it that you so you you went and bartended and then the following year you you got yeah. in or yeah, yeah. okay the following year yeah mm-hmm. so I guess and it then, wasn't that windy but you yeah know, no it's to not me that it felt way. like the world was ending you know yeah so. sure and it's a long year I'm sure it's definitely yeah. a long year that's so, a new trend though let me let me just ask you yeah have yeah. you heard about this gap year issue oh, yes yeah. everyone's yeah. doing a gap year everyone no does purpose. it now it's accepted now it's preferred for you to get yeah. life experience before you go to medical school yeah. So I, I fun funny story. Gap year did not exist when I was there, but I I did a gap year in between my second and third years of college, and everybody in my hometown thought I had dropped out of college. Like, oh, we heard you dropped out of college. What's going on? This is the biggest mistake of your life. And then I think two years later, everyone started saying, "I'm doing a gap year," and I said, "Well, yeah. what's a gap year? What is it? What yeah. is that? You know?" But but yeah, absolutely. I think it's a chance to really kind of, you know get your feet under you and, and figure out what you want to do. So, yeah. yeah it's great. So when you went back to, so when you got in, you did, you initially had this kind of feeling of doing surgery, but w- did it ever waver or when you were going through medical school, was it pretty clear, you know, this is, I definitely want to go into surgery. Is that, that was that kind of a yeah, situation I, or. I mean, pretty much. I mean, my first, my first rotation as a, as a third year was um, OBGYN. And I loved it. And for like a couple of weeks, I was like, 
yes, I'm doing this. And then I realized, oh, it's only because they're letting me operate during this. They're letting me like close the uterus and do that suturing. Like, it's amazing to see a baby born. Yeah. Like the first time. And then I was like, all right, I'm done with this. So yeah, I wavered for maybe a week or two and then went right back to surgery. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, when you went to residency, same, right. I just yeah. assumed that it was just heaven, right? Oh, it was absolute heaven. I, I rotated at Christiana uh, when I was a student and loved the place. Um, it's like this hidden gem where, and, and not a lot of people know about it. I think people in the East coast, I think are knowing more about it, but the residency program at Christiana, you just operate your tail off and you come out so confident as a surgeon from a technical standpoint and from a knowledge standpoint. Um, but you're just, you're given all this autonomy from day one. And so I knew I wanted to go to Christiana. I ranked it one, I got in. Um, and, and actually one of my buddies, um, Dr. Santoro was in there with me. Um, we were students together and, and now we're colleagues there. And um, the coolest thing, I mean, I just, I, I loved the residency, you know, at, at Christiana, the five years just like flew by. I mean, it, it was hard work, don't get me wrong, but, but I just loved being in the operating room. The first time an attending walked out of the room and left me there to close court sites, I was like, done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like our residents are much happier now. Do you feel like uh, um, they're able to handle the stresses that you're able to handle? Yeah, I I think we've just learned so much. Um, you know, the residents like we get to give them wellness days. Once one day a month, they get to go and go to the dentist and get their oil changed, or just sit at home or catch up on reading. Um, you know, just those little things would have been huge for me, um, yeah. back in the day. Um, and, and I think just those little things, I mean, we have, um, our team of, um, our behavioral health team and our wellness team come and visit the residents, hear them out and decisions that get made in the program are made because of things that they asked for or suggested, uh, they really have a strong say in what happens in that residency program. And overall, I think that they have been happier. I also think the expectations for them have changed both for them and by them. Um, and so we've kind of grown out in a way from the, you know, you, you wake up there, you leave there, go home, go see it. Like, you, you know, you're just, you're not constantly at the hospital. There is a time where you get to go home and go to sleep or see your loved ones. And there's a little bit more flexibility in there. And I think that overall makes a, a better, a better resident. Sorry. Yeah. So what, what were some of your favorite moments uh, during your residency training? So I think, um, I think one of my favorite, you know, so I have like my, my favorite procedures that I did as, res as a resident, but I think one of the biggest things was getting into the lap rooms. So I had, you know, great mentors that showed me not only how to do bariatric surgery, for example, or foregut surgery, but they let me do those procedures. And that was pretty amazing. Um, the, the first time I did a skin-to-skin -skin bypass as a, as a chief resident was, was a big day for me. You know, I was really excited about it and uh, it really was special. Um, and it really solidified where I wanted to go with my career. You know, I loved like the first day as trauma chief and I'm in somebody's chest digging out a shotgun shell, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. I mean, it was fun. Not for a living. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to do it as, yeah, I don't want to do it full time. And I, I like, it was 
people that do that so much credit because no no offense to our trauma listeners no offense, there, no there aren't many of them i know that but uh each his own but it was uh, yeah and it was fun but i just couldn't imagine doing that at all day day and night you know and i liked i liked the finesse of of laparoscopic surgery and then how, then how that rolled into robotic surgery for me and so it was a big um it was it i just loved it i absolutely loved it and when did you choose to that that's going to be your kind of career path what what you know, mine was yeah. kind of late. You know, I think mine was uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think for a while I was like, I feel really confident as a general surgeon and I'm just going to go out into practice and do my thing. And, um, and then I read Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In and, um, and it was, it's a really simple book. And it, I think if you read it at certain times in your life, you'll kind of view it differently. But at that point I was like, I really just want to completely lean into the things I want to do. Um, and so I decided to do fellowship in, in minimally invasive surgery because I loved Forga and I liked bariatric, but I didn't really think I wanted to be a bariatric surgeon. I think as a resident, we were really skewed and seeing like some of the problem people come back into the hospital and you're like, oh, this is, is this all this is? Um, it wasn't until I went into fellowship that I actually fell in, fell in love with bariatrics. And was there someone in particular that kind of mentored you through this process and eventually making a career out of it? Yeah, so when I was um, probably in my fourth year of Sages, I went, or in, in residency, I went to Sages for the first time. Uh, one of my one of my attendings took me, and it was, um, you know, the first time I got to see what all that was, and I was pretty struck by it. And it was actually at the Meet the Leadership meeting on that Friday that, uh, you know, we were, like, going to be doing interviews soon, because it was when it timed so well that your fellowship interviews were right after Sages. And so I went to meet the leadership. So I, I wanted to meet all these program directors. And so I walked into that room and I said, I'm gonna meet everybody in this room and tell them why Caitlin Halbert needs to go to their program. Um, and it's through that I met Steve Eubanks, um, a former Sages president. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know everyone in that room. And um, and then I they tell me their name, like, oh yeah, I read your book. Oh yeah, I like read your paper. Like it's it's like I was like you know, fangirling hard, but it, and then he said, Hey, I want you to meet this woman. You guys would get along really well. And I said, Oh, okay. Aurora Pryor. And so her and I hit it off and, you know, I, I, I then applied to her fellowship and I like, it was the first time I really saw a female mentor for me, like a, mm. just a role model for me, somebody who I could look up to and say, this is the kind of life that I want to live. I mean, I grew up with women who had jobs, but not careers. And mm. in residency, I had a lot of great surgeons that I trained under, but not like that strong, powerful woman leader that I could really see myself in. And so um, she, she, you know, she was just like, it was, it was that, that changed my direction again. And um, so I applied to her fellowship and, and of course got it. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it to be honest, because I just thought like, here I am, a, you know, I'm an osteopathic physician, which sometimes can be really hard. And I'm a female and I'm from this community practice program at Christiana. And, um, but she saw something in me and, um, and, and took a chance on me. So it was, it was, and, and so she really ushered me through the whole MIS and bariatrics and foregut. And, and she's the reason I really fell in love with the profession. 
That's great. I, I, she was obviously one of our early Sages Stories guests for, for obvious reasons. And yeah. um, was that uh, just incidentally, we, we like to kind of another fun thing we like to do is, is learn about our guests introduction to Sages. So was that your first yeah. Sages or <laughs> did you go before then? Or when did you get introduced to Sages? That was the very first time, actually. Wow. Um, I, it was down in Baltimore. Um, yeah, it was the first, and I was, it, I remember every, that meeting. Yeah, yeah. That was a great and it meeting. was so yeah, collegial and it, and it was, you know, and not only was it going to the lectures, but I could see everyone talking afterwards and everyone knew everybody. And, and, and I was like, oh, this, like, this is this group. They're all talking about, I mean, they're just nerding out together. And I just thought it was awesome. Um, and then, you know, of course the Friday, like gala, I was like, what is this? I see like, Scott Melvin be you know let out by circus acts on the stage. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, I, like this, I don't know what this is, but I love it and I want to be part of it. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me your first job then. So my first job uh, out of fellowship was in private practice. Um, and I actually went back to the Christiana Care area. Um, so back here in Delaware. And um, so I was working at a Christian care along with some other facilities. And, um, you know, I had senior partners who knew me, trusted me, and really helped me become busy very fast. And that gave me the opportunity to feel supported while I really learned how to do bariatric surgery, how to do foregut surgery, like my way. It was no longer Dr. Pryor's bypass. It was now Dr. Halbert's bypass and how to take all the lessons that have been learned and, and put it into practice. And so I did two years in private practice and did a lot of cases and started to feel really comfortable. And, but, but at the end of that, it was, you know, a matter of wh where was I going to, what was I going to do next? You know, cause I was starting to feel really comfortable and I was working, you know, really hard, but I had a lot of aspirations that I couldn't see myself fulfilling in private practice. You know, so I that, so that led you to, and so it seems like in 2017, you moved back over to Christiana Care Health System. So mm -hmm. how was that transition? So this was where you trained then, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you kind of, kind of moved yeah. back. So they tell knew us about me. that transition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they knew me really well and, and I, I wanted to start there, you know, out of, out of fellowship, but they weren't ready to have a practice for bariatrics, you know? And, and I actually had, had reached out to our CEO who was a female physician and, um, you know, congratulated her on her new role. And I said, Hey, I really want to come back. She's like, we're not ready yet. I'm not ready for you, but, but go with the private practice group for a little bit. And, um, and so when I knew I was leaving private practice, I interviewed all over. And I remember sitting down with the CMO at Christiana. He, um, he was a, he was an anesthesiologist and, and I worked with him when I was a resident and he sat there and he said, Caitlin, tell me your dream job and we'll build it for you here. And, and that's what they did. And oh. yeah. <laughs> and that? That's amazing. I don't, I don't know. And I was like, thank you. Delaware, man. Um, I'm moving to Delaware. <laughs> me too. There's not enough room for us. There's not enough room. Yeah. There's not enough room. But uh, yeah. So I became their first bariatric surgeon that they hired at Christiana. And it was scary. I was there for almost a year by myself, you know, going, going through it. And, um, and then now, I mean, after this October, I'm about to hire or about to bring on our fifth bariatric surgeon. Wow. Yeah. So we've grown quite a bit in a very short period of time and, um, you know, fully supported by our organization and, 
and, and they really did. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously now the medical director of our program and moved up to, to run the Department of Surgery at our campus. And, you know, the things that Christiana has afforded me have, have exceeded my expectations, really. That's pretty amazing. You know, um, one of the aspects that you've really promoted over the years is the concept of excellence in minimally invasive surgery in the community setting. And you're really a great example of that. In fact, Kevin and I were both physically there when you won. <laughs> first yeah. ever Sages Excellence in Community Surgery Award in 2022. Congratulations. Um, that again. was really fantastic. I yeah. loved seeing that. That was so great. And yeah. I think for our listeners, some of whom are not medical, you know, can you maybe spend some time explaining like what is community what is a community surgery? There's so many different avenues to seek as a as after your surgical residency. Maybe yeah. you can tell me a little or tell our audience a little bit about community surgery and how that's different than maybe what Kevin's doing. Yeah. And it's not that different. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of it. I think that nowadays, especially the lines have blurred so much, you know, as this university buys up this community hospital and this community hospital enlarges and becomes this huge conglomerate, right? So I think there's just such a blurring that happens, but but we think about community practice surgeons as, as really pillars of their community. Um, you know, they are not only the surgeons, but they're really an integral part. And, you know, from a philanthropic standpoint, from an education standpoint, from, from all these different perspectives, you know, you, you really become embedded in, in the community. Um, but, you know, and then if you really want to take it down, it's the rural surgeons, it's the private practice surgeons, it's the hospital employee surgeons. Um, urban surgeons. I mean, if you're, you, the practice types are so varied, but we're not tenured, right? We're not academic surgeons. We don't, we, you know, not necessarily as focused on um, research, not that we don't do it. I mean, I do it, but my promotion is not based on that. My promotion is based on, you know, the work I do as a leader, the quality of care I provide my patients, um, the programmatic developments that I, that I work through with, with bariatrics and otherwise, you know, those are the things that, that allow for promotion. So it's a different promotion cycle for sure. And I don't answer to a Dean. There's no Dean above me, but there is a CEO and president, you know, there, <laughs> so there's, there's still somebody I got to answer to. Um, so it's, so those are kind of the main differences. Um, and, and I, I think it needs to be defined and we, and we wrote a white paper. You're really highlighting community practice surgeons because I think there were so many misconceptions out there on what yeah. a community practice surgeon. We weren't, our, we weren't the OSH, you know, we're not the outside hospital. <laughs> yeah, OSH, I remember you talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so much more, yeah. All I'll the complications occur. <laughs> I'll try to, um, I'll try to see if we can get a link to that white paper, at least the the abstract of, uh, on our podcast. I, I did peruse that actually when, when that came out. Um, so, and I think you're right. I think the, the lines have blurred. Um, my father is a solo private practice community surgeon. And, you know, I agree with so much of how you define it. And, and yet, you know, I serve the community of people that I, that I go into. And so does Sharon, but I mean, tell us, you know, I, but there is, there is a difference. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there who some may be trying to decide uh, what type yeah. of career they want. And so I think it's helpful for them maybe to hear about your life as a community surgeon. What's it, what's it like? And, you know, 
give us kind of a, a taste of a day in the life of uh, Dr. Caitlin Halbert. Yeah, so I think, I mean, first of all, the majority of graduates go into community practice. Um, so a lot of a lot of folks are choosing to do that, but it's hard because in fellowship, you are mostly at an academic center and you're only seeing that type of practice. And so knowing what's out there and what's possible is so important so that you don't find yourself in a place where you don't want to be. Um, you know, and, and I think it's really important to talk to a lot of folks with these different backgrounds. Um, for me, being at Christiana, I, so first of all, when I started at Christiana as a, as a resident, I was like, I'm going to be the mayor of Christiana. And what that meant to me was like, <laughs> I wanted to walk the halls and be like, hey, how's your son? Hey, how's it oh, going? Your place. Like, what's going yeah. on? You okay? Yeah. And, um, you know, I just wanted to know like everyone that worked at Christiana. And I did, I mean, I remember rounding when I first came back from fellowship up on the surgical floors, I like had to give myself an hour and a half because I would just hang out with everybody, with all the nurses, you know, that I'd known for years. And so um, this is the quiet, reclusive Caitlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The the, yeah. Uh, the yeah. introverted yeah. bartender. Yeah. Oh yeah, bartending. Uh, yeah. And uh, and so um, you you know, so that so that was kind of my my idea of what of of kind of my community within the hospital. Um, but as I've gotten more and more involved as an attending and as a program director. I really focus on how to serve my community better. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I realized we, we, we put together this dashboard where we could look at the, you know, a little bit better, closer look at the demographics of our bariatric patients. And one of the things I realized is that while Wilmington, Wilmington, Delaware, which is where I'm based out of, um, has a very large Hispanic community, we weren't seeing them in our clinic. And the, and the truth be told, it was because we weren't, doing the right things to support them and to make, to make them feel comfortable. Any, any Spanish speaking, you know, um, patient really could not get through the system without a tremendous amount of support. And so over the last year we've been, and it's not more than just translating, we've been certainly translating stuff, but creating better access so that they don't have to bring their loved one there that speaks English to get them through the system, that they can independently do it and feel confident from the minute they enter into our office to the time that they go to sleep for their surgery, um, for all their post-operative care, we wanted to create a, 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 an overhaul of the, of the program to support um, our entire community. And, and so it's that kind of work that I think is really, it just, I think that that is stuff that is so meaningful for me. I and mean, that's the stuff that's pulled me out of the OR. You know, I love operating, but a lot of, of course, all this leadership stuff takes me out of the OR, but this is so rewarding. And to have patients that go through the system now and feel completely comfortable and you take that anxiety away, um, that's that's the work that, that I think community surgeons can do. Um, it's nothing we ever trained for <laughs> by any means, but- yeah. It's it's just a little bit a little bit different, and, and I, like I'm not saying that academic surgeons don't don't think about those things too, but um, but the focus is always on how to best treat and best care for our community that we physically live in. So I love the passion you bring to community surgery. It's very unique because most surgical societies are based on university based quote, academic surgeons that are employed and they have like the triple threat going, you know, research, education and mm. clinical excellence. 
and community surgeons are not given leadership roles, et cetera. And correct me if I'm wrong, but um, up until recently, we've had no presence or voice in most societies. Sages yeah. then started with, I believe it was a community practice kind of like task force and then like worked its way up to being a committee. Yeah. And I always remember you being the head of it. Is that true? Were you the yeah. instigator <laughs> or was there someone I missed? Yeah, no, I, I a couple years ago, I guess it was five years ago now, um, it was again at a meet the leadership meeting I'd come off some great meetings. It was coming out of membership, actually, my work mm. on the membership committee. And I went up to Dan Jones and I said, hey, I, I didn't say, hey, I, hello, Dr. Hello, Jones. sir. Hello, hello sir. sir. I yes. have something important to talk to you about. And, and, I, and I <laughs> now said, you said, hey, and that's okay. It's okay. Cause Dan Jones would have been like, yeah, hey. You would have been up? cool about it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I said, hey, I really think that we need to have a group of community practice surgeons because I feel like, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're unrepresented, you know, and we really have a, a large voice and and something to say and something to give to sages and and I think that it, it would be so important to put something together and so Sally Matthews you know executive director of sages is standing right beside him and he pulls her over and he says Sally we need to make a community practice task force he's like and he looked at me who's going to be in charge of this task force and I was like I don't know <laughs> no said, idea you Dan. Are. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, I could it. so I could totally see this conversation <laughs> Yeah. happening and, and it, it's just fascinating and I, I think it's such a key lesson yeah. to 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 people who are listening and 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 our sages members it's like you want something go talk to leadership and say hey we want this and you're the you you take it and you can take yeah. it to the next level and there's so many examples of that but this is a it's an amazing example <laughs> I, I think it's really really great I believe in in doing things that make you feel slightly uncomfortable because it's in that place where you're just getting uncomfortable. Like, should I do this? I shouldn't do this. This is silly. They may say no, but I live for those moments because I think that's how you grow. I think that's how you get to be more courageous and more confident and stronger. And so I I love I love moments like that. And and I was so thankful that Dan Jones did not say no. So. <laughs> I mean, it's great. You've been a great representative. You've run the committees fantastically. A paper came out of it, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, you've got the award. It's a very busy committee. And what's the statistic for the number, the percentage of membership being actually community surgeons? Over two thirds. Over, Over two thirds. So that's, and Sager's membership, I think is in the 8,000 range. So, yeah. So yeah. clearly we're going to have many uh, community-based surgeons listening, um, some some of whom you you have in your committee, yeah. um, and from from it's your a work, speakers list. Yeah, there's a speakers, a speakers list. list. Great. From your work, what's what's kind of the next big thing coming out of you know community-based surgery and in, in your committee? What what's what are some highlights that that you would say is happening and coming out in the next uh, you know next year or so? Well, definitely this the speaker catalog that you mentioned is is super great. You know, I, I'm excited for this. This is not just for community practice surgeons. It's for all of membership to be a part of so that it gives you a, a really a venue to highlight your ability to speak, the topics that you love speaking on, and that allows then anyone who's putting together a session to find a variety of speakers to put on the panel. Maybe you want to have someone local to do your grand rounds that that's from sages. And this will be 
a way to do that. So highly encourage anyone to, you know, anyone interested in speaking at any venue to sign up for that. Um, but my co-chair Rob Catania is working on this amazing project right now that I'm su just super excited. He, um, you know, what we realize is that we do a great job of stages of creating like guidelines and, you know, white papers and all these amazing educational materials, but how do we get that to the masses? And so he's working on these collaborative grand rounds and his first topic is foregut. And so he's creating really a grand rounds presentation bringing in all of the information from guidelines, from, I mean, everything. And we have people from all, all over stages that are helping and contributing. Um, and so they divide up on different topics and you can decide which you know, slides you pull from that. But these slide decks will be available to membership so that they can go into their communities and teach people about what is foregut surgery? What is reflux? What is a toupee you know, fundoplication? What is a lynx? What is all these things, right? And it puts them into... Um, a vetted and most current, you know, presentation of, of just excellent material that can then be shared because it's really hard. It's your private practice, your community practice. You are pulled in all these directions and you want to do a great presentation and teach your GI colleagues, you know, about the surgeries that you do. Well, now Sages is going to create that so that you, you have it, you have it to, to use. Yeah, I think that's really great. I actually, in, in doing the sessions for next year, did already go to that kind of speaker's catalog. Very, very helpful. Need a lot more surgeons to sign up for it. Yeah. Put in what we'll, you want to talk about. You know, We'll try to put a in. link. Yeah, we'll put a link to that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll try to, we'll make sure we try to put a link in the podcast for people to to potentially be able to go and, and sign up. I think that's a great initiative. Yeah, it's a great resource. Yeah, Kevin, just put in, I like to talk about Cleveland. Yes. I just, if, if anything Cleveland, uh, if you need a, an update on Cleveland and Delaware and you just need a grand round speaker to talk about Cleveland, yeah, to Christiana sure. Care, yeah, yeah, I mean, just It'll sign it up. up. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely do it. There'll be an um, audience for that. De yeah. de definitely. Uh, very good. So uh, we get to our fan favorite segment. It is called the We Are the Sages segment. And for this one, um, we basically would love to hear any stories about your favorite oh. stages meeting moments. It's good. I had to, I had to dig deep for this one. No, I didn't have to dig deep. I had to make sure it was appropriate, but um, no, no, I, inappropriate. I, oh, inappropriate right now. I so, <laughs> we, so we we have you may not be we'll, the most inappropriate. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely been some inappropriate ones. So yeah, but, yeah uh, we, you know, yeah. again, podcast is clean. We know that Apple is you know. Clean. We're, we're, we're trending in Fiji and Mongolia, and we just want yeah. to make sure that uh, we keep that audience. So, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, no, I, um, I think it was so. So, my fifth year residency, I went back to Sages, I think it was in Utah that year. And uh, yeah, and uh, that was such a great one. You're probably skiing. That's the, the, the fun, the fun aspect of it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, 
Aurora Pryor knew that I was coming, I was coming to Stony Brook, you know, the next year. So I was already tagged as her fellow coming in. And she said, you know, I need you to be on stage. And I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, and I think I was there for this. I think I, okay, hmm. let's hear this. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was, I had no idea what I was doing or what I was getting myself into but that was that was the year I got up on stage with the Sages Ladies for the first time. Yes, and wow, oh, that's and the beginning. I, I when I was look when I was young, I was going to be Gwen Stefani, you know, like I was going to be a rock star, and I was going to marry a rock star, and I was like going to do all those things. Turns out I can't sing, but um, <laughs> the dream still lives inside. So um, so it was awesome, and I got to actually kind of run and organize the Sages Ladies for. The next several years and it yeah. was super fun to have all these powerhouse women on my email chain i mean they were just like how did i even have contact with these people and um you know choreograph dances you know in the mix of of lectures at sages it's it I was it's, say yeah, choreograph so is the loose term. i would use that term very loosely <laughs> <laughs> term we prefer to use yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were no japanese dancers no yeah no. that that would be inappropriate uh, yes yeah that's uh, <laughs> that would cross the line but but you're you're they're always uh fan favorites and and the choreography yeah. is is really what i go to see yeah when I, yeah when I'm oh, at those, it's, it's really yeah. the choreography well it's yeah. those uh, lyrics who writes the lyrics caitlin it's so fantastic. And most most of the time it's it's prior yeah it. i remember yeah. she said that in the uh in our podcast yeah. with her that yeah. she was no, the, yeah. so you've she's, you've corroborated yeah. that statement mm -hmm. now with this so now yeah, we can go back and, yeah yeah, yeah. No, she's and she's like so good at it uh, like we'll pick a song collectively and you know i'm the one doing like the powerpoint and like the presentation stuff and i'm like hey can you get me these lyrics like next day she gets them i don't know how she does it and they're so, so good awesome. it's a that talent. is a talent Mm -hmm. Well, before we let you go, uh, some some quick ones here. What what are some of your interests outside the OR? We did hear about your artistic side, but what what about now? You know, what what are some things you like to do uh, outside of the OR? Yeah, so you know, I'm, I I run so, and I kind of make running an excuse to travel. So we'll do like half marathons all over the place, and you know, so it kind of offsets the eating that we do on vacation too a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It justifies it. Um, yeah. So we, we travel and run and, um, yeah, I'm, so I'm child-free, you know, I, um, decided not to have kids. So I, you know, I live up that child-free lifestyle pretty, pretty well. Um, it's a damn good gonna, lifestyle. Damn, yeah. it's, I have to say, yeah. It's all yeah. <laughs> don't, don't rub it in ladies. Yeah, don't sorry. rub it in. Okay, don't, don't be jealous, Kevin. Yeah, slightly, slightly. <laughs> love you kids. Love you. Love you so yeah, much. Yeah, don't regret it, but they're I great. Love love you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But no, and we have a, we have a house down in Cape May, New Jersey. And, you know, my two dogs here that I have given a nice little uh, shout out there in the middle. And um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, just fur, fur babies are still, still part of the family. I mean, they're, yeah. they're I probably maybe I won't say it, but we got a couple here, and I certainly love them with a, a high magnitude of love that comes from from. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I yeah. can see your dogs, Caitlin. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah they they're are now beautiful. sleeping, even though they were fighting earlier. They're sleeping now, so beautiful they're. <laughs> dogs. What kind are they? 
Oh, one's an Australian Shepherd. The other one, we're not quite sure of that one right there. I don't know what she is. Maybe an Aussie Lab mix. I don't know. I have a I have a coupon for uh, DNA testing from testing ours. So if you want, I can forward it to you, and you can. I was yeah. You should definitely do it. Oh, it is yeah. it. You absolutely. It's probably one of the most enjoyable things to get back in the mail is finding out what is your dog. What oh, is I was waiting for one night where I like it would get a little too like maybe one extra drink or something, and I'd like buy myself that thing because <laughs> I couldn't justify it otherwise. So my next coupon's coming your fun. way. There yeah, you absolutely. All right, nice. Yeah. <laughs> And one more fun question. Um, if you weren't a surgeon, what would you be? If I weren't a surgeon, oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. It's not, I'm not, that's not the answer, I promise. But if I really, if like, if sky's the limit, I, I could do anything in the world, I'd be a rock star. Gren Stefani. Gwen, Gwen Stefani. Stefani. Hands down, yeah. that's what I would do. That's, that's what you would do. One. That that's is a good one. That's the answer we I mean, never I, had. I love going to concerts. I love music. I absolutely yeah, you're, love music. You have yeah. like a music festival coming up here, right? Or we, or we take you away? From, yeah, yes. no, it's a four-day Delaware festival. Oh, nice. And yeah, we're going to be that's there. Good. We won't be camping, but we will be. We have a hotel, but we'll we'll be there. And um, probably, probably starting to be one of the oldest people there, but that's okay. I mean, whatever. <laughs> age is is just it's just a construct it's it's not actually yeah. an absolute thing well thank you for i know we 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 pushed up your your time to be with us so we're, we're appreciative of that and and this yeah. has been a super fun episode um it will be not only helpful to many of our listeners but also inspiring it will be enjoyable um i think particularly our uh, majorities community-based surgeon cohort of sages hopefully will will yeah. tune in and and you know certainly feel that that you're representing them and as well as our younger surgeons and trainees who who may be uh, considering uh, going in that pathway as well and I would say to any of them if you run into Caitlin at a sages meeting you should feel comfortable to go up to her and tell her you have a great idea and she's going to say who's in charge of that you are. you are you're in charge of that because you just came up to me so oh. but thank you so much for spending uh this time with us yeah thank you guys and congratulations on everything yeah oh really thank fantastic you. thank you so much appreciate it you guys are amazing appreciate it thank you and that wraps up today's episode of sages stories you can view the show notes for any links to sites we referenced today Visit sages.org for membership information and for the most recent news from our society. Follow us on Twitter at sages underscore updates. Make sure you hit the like button and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. See you again next time. And remember, you can't spell minimally invasive surgery without sages.